Hi, this is Reverend Mary Ellen, and for me, as a follower of the teachings of Jesus, it's been important to reacquaint myself with the parables because they make up a good portion of Jesus' recorded teachings. And not only is it important, or has it been important for me to get reacquainted with the parables, but it's important for me to be open to new levels of understanding and application. I think I said before that I, I tell myself that there are at least 144 different levels of meaning within each parable. And the reason I tell myself that is because I don't want to think that I have uh, the final level of understanding. I want to be open to new levels and new ways of applying it. A parable, just as a reminder, is a story with many levels of meaning. A dictionary with uh, definition is that, it, that a parable is a short allegorical story designed to illustrate or teach some truth or some principle or some moral lesson. And so we could say that any parable uh, can contain many stories within it, many levels within it. So I like to think about the teachings of Jesus through parable as being um, provocative because to me provocative means to challenge or to provoke a reaction. And so Jesus' parables seem designed to challenge us to find deeper meaning and application. So even though a parable may have a theme, uh, like a central theme, it always has many different levels of interpretation and many different levels of application. So 13 of Jesus' parables begin with the statement, the kingdom of heaven is like. And so I'm going to share with you some thoughts on the parable uh, in which Jesus likens the kingdom to fishing with a dragnet. Fishing with a dragnet. The kingdom of heaven is like fishing with a dragnet. But first, a fish joke. There was a guy who, who had this terrible day fishing and he was out in the sun all day and he caught nothing. And so on his way home, he stopped at the store and he asked the fishmonger to pick out four rainbow trout and throw them to him. And he says, the fishmonger said, why do you want me to throw them to you? And the guy says, so I'm able to tell my wife that I caught these fish. Fishmonger says, okay, but I suggest you take salmon and not trout. Because your wife came in earlier and said I should tell you to take salmon home because that's what she would like for dinner tonight. I know. Funny. Anyway, in a previous uh, parables, we've looked at how Jesus um, likened the kingdom of heaven to seeds growing and developing. He, he likened the kingdom to a valuable pearl and as hidden treasure that, that would be worth selling everything to obtain. And so in this parable, 
He is likening the kingdom to sorting the contents of the dragnet. Now, the dragnet was a large net that commercial fishermen used, and it would scoop up everything in its path. The net didn't choose what went in it. Fishermen would do the choosing and the sorting later. So, the outer level of this parable would be easily understood by those who fished for their livelihood or knew someone who did. Many people that Jesus is speaking to fit into that category. Um, but of course, they would have known that Jesus had something more in mind uh, when he told this parable. Now, the area around the body of water referred to as the Sea or the Lake of Galilee uh, was written about by the historian Josephus and he said it was wonderful in its beauty. Soil was so rich that not a plant that that was planted there wouldn't flourish and that it was temperate. It suited all species. So this was the area where Jesus was giving the teachings that are sometimes referred to as the Sermon by the Sea. And so this parable uh, was set in that setting. So the sea or the Lake of Galilee is this large freshwater lake that's fed by the River Jordan. I've personally been there. It's a very inspiring area. So not only was the soil rich, but apparently there were many kinds of fish. And one of the most popular was tilapia. And I do like tilapia. Today, um, it's sometimes referred to as St. Peter's fish, but I remember it being served to us when we traveled to that area, and they, they referred to it in that way. Anyway, uh, so the fishing boats would go out each day, and they would come back with their fish, with their nets filled with fish. But because only certain fish were wanted, they were... They, the catch would be sorted through. And so it would be sorted out which would be eaten and which would be sold. Now, why choosing or why sorting? Re remember this. Most of the people that Jesus started speaking to early in his ministry were Jewish, as was he. And so according to Jewish dietary law, spelled out in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, only fish with fins or scales were to be eaten. So, when we understand this, we also understand that when other type of fish were caught, or if they were too young to tell if they would have scales, they would be thrown back into the water. So Jesus began the parable by saying, the kingdom was like this. So, we could say the kingdom is like mixed catch or decisions that have to be made. Some in traditional Christianity, and that was my past, so I do understand where people may be coming from. Some under, in, interpret this parable to be about the end of the world and how the virtuous will be chosen and how the sinners are going to be cast away. And this, I have to say, and 
I know it because it was used in the circle that I grew up in. It was used to strike fear in the hearts of people. But as I have grown in spiritual understanding, I realize that there are other interpretations. And the more we begin to understand the overall teachings of Jesus, we might see that that particular approach, that it was about the virtuous being kept and the sinners cast away, that somehow that's not consistent with the other teachings of Jesus. And so my sense is there are deeper levels of meaning to be found within this parable. So here's some things I would suggest to, to consider. First of all, the sea or the ocean can represent collective beliefs. We could say that it represents mass consciousness. In other words, it's the collective or combined beliefs that all exist together, kind of just like swimming around, available to be caught in anyone's net or in anyone's mind, shall we say. It's sort of like all the different stations, radio stations, all over the world that are broadcasting all kinds of music and all kinds of news and all kinds of information and all of it is available to tune into and so it's it's like we are available to turn our station and listen to that or not so we could say in the larger sense and likening this to the sea, there are all sorts of thought forms, all sorts of energy. It, it, at this point, it's like unformed energy. We haven't kind of laid hold of it yet, but it's, it's there. there. It's like the, the positive things are swimming alongside the not-so-positive things. The music that we like and appreciate it's kind of like swimming alongside the music that we don't like or we don't appreciate. and Or using the analogy of like a huge buffet that has all kinds of food on it, every kind of food on it. If we're not going to like everything that's on that buffet, some of it we will like and some of it we won't like. And so we choose. We kind of like choose what from the buffet suits our particular taste for that day or that time. Now, the net. We could liken the net to our human mind, in a sense, that reaches out and gathers or pulls or drags in from mass consciousness. Mass consciousness, remembering, it's like all the different kinds of thoughts and moods and beliefs so we can gather and draw that in we can draw in fear we can draw in grief we can drop in draw in limited thoughts and beliefs or we can draw in love we can draw in courage we can draw in strength and we can draw in awareness of our spiritual power but anyway it's our choice so sorting the fish in the, in the parable, the analogy, 
could be like um, wise judgment on our part, judging or discriminating and deciding whether we want to keep some things or not some things. You know, judging doesn't mean judgment. Judgment kind of sounds like something very negative. We're judging somebody. Judgment is a spiritual power that we have. It's, a, it's our power of discrimination. And it's important for us to know how to use it. And so the higher use of this power, as symbolized in the parable, is choosing from all the thought forms that exist. Choosing and sorting and keeping that which is right for us and letting other things go. Choosing what we want, letting go what we don't want. In the parable, the net gathers fish of every kind. Said another way, we live in a sea of all kinds of energies. Think of it this way. Uh, every day, no matter where we are, there are swimming alongside each other energies of joy and energies of of grief, energies of love, and energies of fear, positive and not so positive. And they're all there, available to us. And that's where our power of spiritual discrimination comes in. What will I choose? What will I make a part of my thoughts, part of my consciousness? Just as there are many kinds of seeds that one can choose to plant or not plant, just as there are many kinds of music, genres of music to listen to or not listen to, different kinds of food that we choose to partake of or not on the buffet. So there are many different fish in the ocean or the sea that can get caught in our net of consciousness. It's like there's this huge pool of consciousness that's available to us. It's all around us. And our responsibility is to sort and to choose what are we going to say yes to? What are we going to say no thank you to? What are we going to see as valuable? What are we going to see as not so important? What are we going to want to keep? What are we going to choose to let go and I say that's really what developing the consciousness of the kingdom is about. And for me, this parable spells it out clearly. That the kingdom is, I'll just say it, is about being picky. The parable is about being picky. It says, choose, You're, you choose what you want. And let go of what you don't want. In the realm of pure potentiality, the kingdom can be thought of as the all good that is already established. But it remains as potential until we say yes to it. It's like anything else. It's there, but unless we say yes to it, it doesn't become a part of us. So... I like to say this, that, you know, we just want to be picky. We want to choose 
the thoughts that are in, in alignment with the good that we desire in our life. And if it's not in alignment, then we want to say no to it. Not in a mean way, but just, no, no thank you. That's not what I want in my life. Unity has a book entitled Your Hope of Glory. And it says, We live in a great sea of universal life. Our mind accumulates every kind of thought. And like a net that has been cast into the sea and gathers every fish of every kind, but when we come to an understanding of truth, we have the discernment or we have the ability and the, the requirement, shall we say, responsibility, spiritual responsibility to separate the ideas that we want to keep from those that we don't want to keep. The, the positive ones from the not so positive ones. In the parable... There's a phrase about the end of the world. It doesn't mean the end of the earth. And that's something I think that's important for us to realize. It's the end of a phase of our own experience. When one world of experience ends, another begins. And so if we will remember to ask for divine guidance... Our spiritual ideas, or sometimes people like to think of this as our, our spiritual angels, uh, will overcome the destructive thoughts and cast them into a furnace of fire. These negative states that belong to mass or race consciousness do not always relinquish their hold on us without protest. As the parable says, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think what that means is it doesn't let go without a fight. How many of us have uh, thought about and focused on changing a habit? And what we find is the old habit just keeps reappearing. For instance... Have you ever changed the contents of a drawer, let's say in your kitchen or your work area, and you move it to an area that you realize is going to be more convenient, and you keep going back to the old area? Not because you want it to be that way, but it's just an ingrained thing. And we could kind of say it's like that. You know, this weeping and gnashing of teeth, it's like, the old doesn't let go easily. Old habits aren't changed immediately. But, of course, we, when we make the decision to make it to change, of course, we know it's for something better. There's a term, spiritual chemicalization, that's sometimes used in, in spiritual circles. And, and what it simply means is the resistance that we might feel when New ideas come up against old calcified beliefs. The new habit we're trying to establish comes up against the old habit. And there's like an agitation that takes place as the old is letting go. The old energy is clearing out and the new energy is coming in. So think about this as you are making the changes in your spiritual life. 
Of course, you want to let go of what hasn't worked for you, and you're ready to let uh, latch hold of what will be profitable and will work for you. Just realize that there's always some choosing and sorting that takes place in this. And sometimes you, you, you have to get kind of picky and use your spiritual judgment and know that through this, you're going to come through victorious. The new you, the new habits, the new ways will be victorious. And so sort through, choose what you want, let go of what you don't want. It's not a end of the world kind of thing. It's just the end of the way you used to do things, end of the way you used to think, end of the way you used to respond. And the kingdom, which is the kingdom of all good, is, of course, always awaiting. And you know what? You totally deserve it. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.